nice things. Hello, good evening and welcome to another fun-packed, thrill-filled 50th edition of Nice Things. Nice Things. The antidote to modern living. And joining me, Sir Michael Livesley, this week we have... Uh, you've got Paul Carmichael and not three hours ago, this picture fell on my head. For the benefits of those just listening on audio, I should say it's quite a large picture, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, with, with obviously sharp, spiky corners, and that fell on my head. So, I've survived Ooh. an assassina- assassination attempt, I is that the um, Is that the heat, do we think? No. No, I don't think so, because, uh, well, obviously when it fell on my head, I was just reclining on the daybed that I've got in the library here. The daybed? So- Yes, the daybed. There's nothing. What's this? What's this? Edwardian accoutrement. The daybed. If you want me, mother, I shall be on the daybed. The daybed. Just, just I've just got a little daybed behind me over here. Oh, very nice. That's handy. posh. That it's not posh. Is it not? It's not. No, no, it's not posh because I got a man to make it for me. Now that is posh. No, no, hang on. No, no, no. What mm. I mean is, if it was, oh, I haven't got an argument actually. Right, hang on. Having no, men haven't. make furniture for one's household is posh. Right, oh, yes. All right. That is but, posh. Uh, yeah, all right, that might be a bit posh, but just in the library, just mm. you know, just the shelves and the daybed. Anyway, but the trouble is, now here's the problem, and it's to do with mm. the, the man who built all this. I, mm. I can't do that sort of thing, so this picture, I, it wasn't nailed up or anything. I just had it leaning against, uh, where was it leaning? Ah. Well, it was leaning next to, um, not on your Nelly. Um... And that's why it's so the man wasn't free. The man wasn't free to put a nail in the wall. Well, I, I didn't even think about contacting the man. I thought I like the picture, but I don't fancy having a man here, so I'll just lean it. But I don't understand how it fell. I and what I need, what I need, I think, yes. is a, but, a butler, but one that's good with DIY. Yes. That would do. Yes. I put all the picture rails back into my house, so I don't put nails in walls anymore. I use hooks and chains. To hang my pictures. Oh. Actually, a man put picture rails back in my Ah, house. right, yes. Well, uh, yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> yeah, yeah I'm, I'm actually deceiving the boys and girls at home. Um, mm. It's 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 quite an in-depth job, that is. Well, I think this sort of thing is. I mean, it's not just a question of whacking a nail in a wall and shoving the picture on there. I mean, no. it's, making, it's actually making sure that it looks okay with the other pictures and stuff Well, like that. that's why I, I put the picture rails in, because it was kind of like... You've committed once you've put a nail in the wall, haven't you? Mm, you know, you've put true, a yeah. hole in the wall, first of all, so you've pierced the fabric of time. Yeah. Uh, so there's that. And then secondly, it's kind of like, what if I get it wrong? Because mm. I don't know about your brain, but my brain, if I hang a picture, it's got to be tape measures, pencil, and, and, and equidistance between the other pictures and stuff like that. Otherwise, I go mad. No. No, no not us. No, not us at all. I mean, wow. so long as it looks all right, and then you can just nudge them, can't you, and make sure they all look sort of like level. Well, you see, my mother used polyfiller, right. so so there's that aspect to it. For for what? For, for filling holes in the walls. It's a, it's right. a, it's one of my um, most vivid memories of being a kid with me mum uh, in one of because obviously as I've explained before so um, she had some mad anxiety problem when I was a kid uh, and then the pills people the doctors put you on back then were kind of like heroic doses weren't they they were just, they weren't like have a couple of these they were like have lots of this and so in, during one of these psychotic episodes 
Um, there was like a three in the morning where I woke up after not seeing her for a couple of weeks because she'd disappear to the bedroom and, and stay out of the way. Um, so um, about three in the morning, I heard like this sort of noise from downstairs and she was on a ladder with a bit of sandpaper just sanding maniacally all this polyfella down. Oh, God. Mm. That sounds quite... Uh, Terrifying, really, but it wasn't. It, it, was ju- it does. It was just I mother. That, I thought that was going to be a light-hearted little story on a lovely, bright day, and it was something like no. that BBC Dead of Night <laughs> anthology. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, there was a couple of episodes like that. These sort of nocturnal escapades. Oh God. Oh, oh hi. God. Oh, You'd get God. up in the night and there'd be baths running, and things like that, and no one around. Oh my God. Because she'd gone for a power walk. They call them power walks now. Power walks? Is that like that where, where you have to walk like John Inman? But John really Inman. Quickly, yeah. That sort of thing. Really quickly like John Inman. But she'd go yeah. for them because obviously this anxiety was so fucking bad. But just to get the adrenaline it's out. just like, I've got to get out of here. You know what I mean? But I'll start a bath running first so that fat so I'll have to come down and turn it off. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, there was quite a few of them. Um, but yeah, so that as a, as a result has traumatised me in terms of picture placement. Right, okay. Because I don't want to wake up in the middle of the night and hear some sort of the ghost of my mother sanding down the walls. <laughs> no, that would be terrifying. You know, I've only just made those connections. But as you said, it's a beautiful day. Isn't it an absolutely beautiful day? Now, here's the thing. I, yes. I used to resent days like this. And didn't mm. you say, you were saying that on, on the old yeah. social media the other yes, day. Yes, yes. You used to, when you used to get days like this, it was like, whoa, close, barricade. Strong. Yeah, you know, yeah, and just yeah. just telly on. Yeah. And that that was absolutely me, probably until really quite recently. But Well, that's I'm interesting. Sure. Yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt you there, but no, that was on. me until, well, a couple of years. All right. Okay. I identified what it was with me because we were poor. So yeah. we never went on holiday. Plus, it would interrupt my mother's sort of nocturnal DIY sessions. Yes. Yeah. Um, so you can't be doing that in the uh, in Malaga. Um, uh, no, 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 Senorita, stop, stop, stop sending walls. You know, Mister Faulty, go crazy. You know. Um, yeah. So, you. um, so I sussed out that it was because of that. <laughs> oh, well done. Yes. Um, <laughs> So I sussed out that it was because of that. So it was resentment. I only realised I resented summer because of holidays. But 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 I sense that's not the case with you. I sense that you know, being a sort of rich family, holidays and Protestants. Protestants go on holidays. Well, do, do Catholics not particularly? They have Wakes Week. Ah. <laughs> What, where you do all the wakes for the year in one No, week. have you never heard of Wakes Week? No, no. So so Wakes Week was the only week off the factory workers got in a year. And if you go onto YouTube and look at footage from the sort of early 20th century, you'll see, like, thousands and thousands of people in Blackpool and Southport because they got this week off. Now, in order to get that week off in the old days, they had to work double shifts the week before. Bloody hell. Yeah, and that's why we have the unions, I suppose. Not that they give a shit anymore. No, not really. But no. so you've got your week off, but after doing two weeks working once. After so doing two weeks. So that whole week off, basically, you're going to be exhausted for. Absolutely fucked. Yeah, yeah. Point so that's brilliant. No, no sanding down in the middle of the night for those people. Absolutely not. Um, no, no, I mean, you're right. I mean, yeah. The, the old holiday thing. I mean, we used to. We didn't do holidays abroad, ever. Um, but we did uh, holidays around the UK with the, with the Caravan Club. So, Here you know, I've, 
No, I mean, but a bog standard little touring caravan. And I remember, you know, going to the Lake District an awful lot. But mm. that's where I've got this lovely um, memory from about 1987 or something like that of um, sitting in Ambleside on a little jetty that goes out onto the lake with a ghetto blaster next yeah. to me. Radio 2 on, listening to Journey into Space. I have never been happier in my life, yeah. I don't think. Yeah, that, that sounds that sounds incredibly jolly. Dog next to me, of course, which also... Well, of course, yes. Of course. The image would not be complete. Mm. Um, so, I don't know if it's yeah. that. I don't know if it's to do with holidays or something like that. But you've got a very happy memory. I have. But... On the other hand, I much prefer winter. And I do remember I'd go on, we'd go off on these holidays, and I always felt they were a bit long. Because right. they'd, be they'd be two weeks. And a week was lovely. Ten days, yeah, okay, 11, um, what, go home now? Mm. Uh, it will get to that point. And, uh, you know, I'd be using up a lot of 10Ps, phoning my granddad to remind him to record things for me on Radio 4. which. Brill. Poor sod tried to do, but my God, he wasn't very good at tuning it, but uh, he did his best. But it was about 60% static. But. Well, we used to go on the on the Haydock Catholic Club trip, which was an afternoon to Southport every year. Right. Um, and we'd go, we'd, the, all the coaches would line up in Sherlock Avenue, <coughs> which is round the corner from where um, I grew up. Uh, all the coaches would be there at 10 in the morning or wherever it was. And you'd get on the... We'd all get 50p pocket money, the kids. Nice. Um, and and then we'd go... Me, me nan and me mum uh, would go off to Southport for the day uh, and trudge around Southport all day, as you do. Big bumpy slide, the river caves, all those nice things. Yes. Um, and then we'd get on... <laughs> we'd get on about 8 o'clock at night. Whenever the day it was every year... I always remember the coach going back to Haydock from Southport. You would see the uh, Southport Flower Show. So whenever it was, that was on. Right. Um, and then we'd get home. And as soon as we got in, my nan would disappear um, into the back kitchen, obviously. Uh, and all you'd hear coming over her shoulder was, Oh, your own toilet. <laughs> <laughs> Alan Bennett would kill for that line. He would. So it was like, you know, we'd been away from home eight hours or something. And it was like, mm. oh, you know, oh, your own toilet, your own lavatory. So <laughs> I, I take it she didn't like leaving the house much? No, absolutely right. not. No, 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 no. And another thing I remember about the summer was for some reason, uh, this was an edict from mother. I wasn't allowed to play out with the other boys. Um, so I would be lying in bed. I'd be sent to bed. Uh, about seven o'clock on a summer night, and the sort of the sun would be coming through the the curtains, mm. you know, and you'd hear everyone playing like five hundred aside in the street, yes. and you'd just be lying there in bed building resentment. Why were you not allowed to play with you? I don't boys? know. I've no idea. Oh. I've no idea because were you a she didn't. Child and... No, no, oh. I was robust and uh, firm of fetlock, oh. even firmer because I didn't run around with the kids. Yes. Mm. Oh, that's very strange. I put it down to this anxiety thing she had. Yeah. It was just sort of like, no, 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 that's too much hassle. Would you think it was possibly also due to the amount of public information films suggesting that you could be kidnapped? Maybe, but, you know, I doubt anyone would have wanted me. Mm. Um, but you didn't need to agree there. Um, well, no, but... I was just thinking, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure Ian Brady would have got, oh, all right then. Oh, go on then. May as he's, well. He's a bit fucking heavy, but... <laughs> you know There's what I mean? no others around. 
Go on, Myra. I yeah. was I was cutting and cutting and cutting and still <laughs> hitting flab. <laughs> um, yeah, I've, I've no idea. It's sort of no. but all those things sort of they harden into resentment, don't they? And and that's so I sort of did a bit of pop psychology on myself the other year, and it's like that's what's up with you, right? You know? And so I now embrace um, Gaia. Oh, okay, mine's a bit more straightforward than that. I think it's mm. when I when I hit forty five. I suddenly thought I've probably seen more summers than I'm going to. I yeah, really maybe that them. as well. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, I know winter's going to come around. There's no point going. No, shan't. Going to wait. May as well enjoy it a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. Give it a shot. Yeah. I, I'm. I am actively trying these days. Strange that, isn't it? That we should both lock ourselves away. I, and I think there's also that aspect of wishing to preserve the past in aspic. So you shut the curtains and you shut out 2022. And then you'll sit there and watch like a box set of the brothers or some old telly. Yeah. So there's that to it as well, isn't there? Well, there is that, I suppose, because let's face it, it's all getting a bit silly. 2022. It just. I've not set my. I've not dipped a big toe in it for a while. I know, and and you're wise to. I mean, I got excited this week because of all the big political hoo ha. We did. Then, we all did. But then you go. Mm. Because what? Okay, so somebody else gets in who's equally as shit and does so. the same job. Oh, Rishi Sunak vote. Sorry, no, you got fined, didn't you, Rishi? No. Why should we trust you? You got fined. I haven't been fined. Off Have you not pop. seen that clip of him from that BBC Three show from about 20 years ago? No. <clears throat> so he's talking about his friends. He's like, oh, I've got friends who are uh, nobility. I've got friends who are middle class. I've got friends who are working class. Well, not working class. And then he carries on. But he says it like in a derisory way. Oh, not working class. Yeah, it's great. Yes. Well, that's what they think of us. So balls to him. No, I'm happier occasionally thinking, no, it's not 2022, because that's all very silly out there. I think occasionally, just, if it can just be 90, well, it's 1976 outside today, the bloody summer out there. Exactly, you know, it'll be the uh, flying ants in a minute. Mind you, it's the uh, flying uncles you want to watch out for. But, um, so in your head, who is it? Ted Heath or uh, uh, Wilson, Harold Wilson? Well, this, I mean, in terms of memory... I don't really recall either rem- of those two. Remember Callahan? I don't remember Callahan. I remember Callahan because of Thatcher. Right. So, yeah, so I suppose Thatcher's- I don't. Yeah, I remember. Well, Thatcher's the one I remember. Yeah. I really remember the Winter of Discontent. Right. But again, I don't know if that's the telly telling me I remember it. Because mm. I remember. I remember, like, bre- you know, get, uh, strikes and stuff like that. So I remember there being no bread. I remember that, which I was gutted about. And I remember um, <clears throat> we were using candles because of the power cuts. Yeah. Uh, so I remember no telly, power cuts. And I remember some construction of like clothes, horses and things like that and blankets so that my mum could raise the, the loaf because we had to. she was baking our bread. Right. Because there was no bread. Yeah. <clears throat> so I remember that and I presume that was... Late seventies and Callahan. So I remember there being lots of strikes being at yeah. school, but that would be sort of like almost mid eighties. But I remember we lost days. It wouldn't days be mid eighties. The only strike oh. in the eighties was the miners' one. No, there was definitely teachers as well because I'm. Oh, God. teachers! Oh, well, yeah, they're teachers. always on strike. Work well, that's true, Fox. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, but no, yeah. I do remember those, and I think, but the the bread thing rings a vague bell as well, you know. So, but then again. 
I wouldn't mind a bit of that right now. We've got this thing, haven't we, of everyone's panicking about food shortages at the moment and all that sort of yes. thing. I, I quite liked, you know, at the beginning of COVID, when it felt mm. like a bit dangerous and that. The su I, survivors. That's it. When, yeah. when going to Morrison's, I felt like Dennis Lil. Yeah. I, I bloody enjoyed doing the shopping in the first lockdown. I enjoyed that so much. I wouldn't mind if we had something a bit like that now, where suddenly we've got to live off the land and make our own bread. Again, series two of Survivors. Let's well, move yes. into that. I, and I'm, I'm guessing you've already ordered the pashmina from um, and the barber jacket. In oh, order yes, to really go for the Dennis Lil thing. Absolutely. I mean, I'll have to sort of like, you know, grow the beard out, grow the beard. Beard out a little bit. And unlike Dennis Lil, I mean, I'll look with that, I'll look a bit like a jihadi egg. But I think... <laughs> 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 yes, yes. Well done. Um, Thank you. But there was um, Flora on uh, Twitter the other week when I posted an image of um, Ewan McGregor. Mm. as Kenobi, because uh, somebody just posted, you know, a picture of him or something on Twitter, and I was like, I thought it was Dennis Lil. Mm. He, he looked so like... Anyway, so I posted that picture of uh, Ewan McGregor as Kenobi and Dennis Lil next to it. Yeah. And uh, Flora thought that I looked like uh, the McGregor fella, and she said she she swore the picture of Dennis Lil was uh, you. Well. So there you go. Well, I'm not going to knock that back. I love all my wives, Jenny, after all. So, no. <laughs> I love you. You love me. <laughs> no, yes. I'm happy with that. I'm, I'm very happy with that. Yeah, Dennis so you, you've it. already got the look, obviously. Except the Dennis, Lil, Dennis Lil was a lot younger than me when he made Survivors, despite looking perhaps a little older. But people did then. Yeah, they did. There's people alive now who are saying, oh, I'm 70, and you're thinking... That means you were 20 or something when I thought you were an, an old man. They all yeah. had cardigans and collar and tie and and things that like that, didn't they? They did, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not quite ready to move into that yet. No. Not no, yet. it's just strange how people did seem a lot more mature back then. Yeah, no, I think so. You Certainly, they, they, there was a look. There was a distinct look of being older, wasn't there? But you're right, I think it's when you inherit the three-piece suit the comb over and the tie and you have to wear stiff shoes no matter what you're doing which I remember yeah was... blokes gardening with yeah. rolled up shirt sleeves I remember oh. you know see I like that straight away I'm thinking how we used to live now that's, well, that's the stuff I suppose the, the 70s and, eight, and the 80s were the the complete end of all that yeah really that's <clears> you when know, those were. people who'd gone through that really and, and been part of that I suppose yeah. died off I remember they used to have very tanned arms, very tanned arms, and the skin was kind of like mobile on it. It's kind of translucent mm. over a, a kind of motorway map of, yes. of A roads and motorways and B roads, all these sort of blue and, and red yeah. veins in their arms. It's like years of hard work. That's exactly, yeah, orange stained arms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My dad's got those. Right. Because right? he, manual labour all, yeah. all of his life. He's got that orange skin. But what did they get the tan from? Well, I don't know. I mean, well, is it as simple as if you were doing that sort of work, you were much more likely to be outside? I mean, that's, of course, if we think back to the Elizabethans, that's why they assumed that if you were tanned, you were common. Yeah. Because you were toiling the fields. But you still certainly. do. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Completely. That's why we get the men round. But well, no, yes. I, 
I wonder if that's a part of it, the idea, because you, you know, you have people who actually toiled, who actually were outside, who were actually Well, they were in factories a lot, though, weren't they? Yes. So I don't know. My granddad was like that. Well, did he work outside or a factory? No, he was a local welder. Right. So I just don't know. I think that after working, they probably actually went and did some living as well. So if it was a nice day, they'd be bosh, they'd be out in it in the garden. Yes. They never stopped. No, they didn't. They They just never stopped, did they? Never. Absolutely never. There was always something to do. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, why are we not like that? Is it because we've got things that do stuff for us, or are we just not as arsed, do you think? Well, there's that quote, isn't there? Um, I don't know who it is. It's Thomas Jefferson or Thomas Paine, one of those Thomases. And it's something about hard hard times produce strong men, uh, who produce good times, which produce weak men, which produce hard times, which produce strong... You get what I mean? And and, and if you think about when we grew up, yeah. there was no struggle. Well, I had a bit. But, I mean, even... You know, I... I sometimes I do strain to the four Yorkshiremen thing. You know, of course we had yeah. it tough and stuff. But yeah. let's be honest. We've got... We've had the greatest standard of living that humans have ever, ever had. I, I would agree. I mean, we didn't have the Luftwaffe trying to buy We didn't us, have so. the Luftwaffe. We had food, you know. Uh, there was but child wasn't that benefit. Generation, wasn't that generation the generation that came immediately post-war? I think that the most brilliant time to have been a teenager would have been the start of the 60s. Oh, God. Gotcha. So, you know, if you were born right at the arse end of the war, 1945. 43. Round about 43 to round 45. About I think that that period of development over those 30 years or so until the mid-70s. And, you know, if you think we've gone from World War II to the moon landings, you've got all of that sort of stuff. I think that was must have been a hell of a period with things Absolutely. changing. Absolutely. Wonderful. <clears throat> I mean, you've kind of got Larkin, who's a bit older, haven't you? And his, his poetry is very sort of reflective of that, uh, you know, the kind of landscape you see in the blue lamp. Of mm. bomb sites and greyness and devastation, yeah. whereas the young who who kind of gleefully played amongst the rubble of it mm. um, were just like sod this. We're going to create you know beauty and joy in the midst of all this destruction. So, well, here's my theory then, based on, on what you said before. I think that what it did was that a softer generation came after mm. that, but I think then a slightly harder generation would be yours and mine because we went for it with the old, you know, the demands for all sorts of things. But now I think that's uh, that, that might be on the verge of creating another softer generation who now feel terribly special and we've talked about <clears> before. <throat> I, but I don't know if it could go that quickly, but feels no. like it could. I don't know. I, I actually, you know, I'm, I mean, as the eternal optimist, mm. I know that everything is going to be just dandy. Um, but I do think that there's some shocks coming. I really do. Mm. I think that um, I think the floodgates have been opened on because I don't know. I, I grew up with a very uniformitarian mindset whereby <coughs> the world is lovely, yes. everything's all right, uh-huh. and it's always been like this, and it's always gonna be like this because yes. I even viewed sort of like you know tales of struggle and you know Hilda Baker going e them was rotten days and all that. I viewed all of that through a very sort of nostalgic lens, hmm. you know, and I was sort of like, I remember, you know, like you say, how we used to live, painted it quite, you know, everyone had each other and it was this and it was that. <clears throat> um, however, 
in the last 10 years, I think we've seen a little bit to the man behind the curtain, haven't we? And the fact that it's like, oh, hang on a minute. Yeah, maybe my granddad was right when he said that politicians, we always knew they were kind of didn't work in our best interest. But it seems now that they're kind of like, you know, hostile to us. Yes. Yeah. That's which is, I mean, again, you've possibly not seen this unless you saw it on Twitter, but. Um, Oh, no, the education secretary. The new, well, she's a new education junior minister, but going into going into Downing Street, giving everyone the finger. And yeah. a, a chap on Twitter said to me, "Well, she's put up with a loss, you know." So, I mean, I'm sure you've wanted to do that in your job. My reply was, "Well, yes, but if I did that to a group of students, I imagine I would be sacked." Whereas the education secretary apparently can do that to people who are complaining, to people who are protesting. That's yeah. where it gets. That's that's the scary part, isn't it? Because of course now to protest, you are treading a very fine line. Oh, you are. You, you are indeed. Um, oh God, there's a load to unpack there, isn't there? I mean, mm. the thing is, what you were talking about is just. Uh, let's 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 look at it from a sort of impassive um, viewpoint. It's a woman giving a bunch of people the finger who was shouting abuse at her, right? Okay, on that level, absolutely acceptable. However, it isn't that level because this is not just a person. This is not just a, another woman, another person, another man. It's it's somebody who is in the employment of the people who are screaming and shouting at her for a kickoff. Uh -huh. And secondly, has been sworn into uh, an office of state. And therefore, you have then got to put your personality to one side. You really Absolutely. have. Absolutely. Um, and I believe that that photograph that you're talking about, I think that's going to be, I think it is iconic already. Mm. And it's oh, going to yeah. become emblematic of, oh, yes. of the attitude towards us. Because things are changing in the world massively now. Mm. You know, we're seeing some true people power going on in Holland with the farmers who are just like, no, we're not, we're not going to take what you tell us lying down. Yes. Um, and <laughs> something as innocuous as giving the finger to the public, it, it pisses people off. Well, it does, doesn't it? Because it's <clears throat> basically rude. It's like it's basically know, rude. It, it's it's that, isn't it? It's just well, no, don't be rude. Mm. That's just rude. Absolutely not. And I think we're you paying can't. You. You can't imagine sort of Macmillan would have done that or something, can you really? No. So I, I think that there's there's got to be that element as well. If you're working within education, set an example. Aren't yes. we meant to actually take instruction? Aren't we meant to possibly even respect you? You or I Do, would be sacked. You or I would be sacked immediately mm -hmm. and rightly. So I don't see the I don't see the problem here. Anyway, out she goes, as far as I'm concerned. That's it. Strong arm says it. Anyway, I yeah. think strong arm's right. And mm. the reason being that she is there as a representative of Her Majesty's government. She's mm. not there as herself. No. Um, and in no, our absolutely. capacity, we are there as representatives of our employers. And she is effectively giving the finger to her employers. We pay her wages. And we do. if we don't believe that we can hold these people to account and they can uphold basic standards of decency, yeah. um, then I, be I... And I think it's emblematic of not just this government, but, I mean, the entire political class and their attitude toward, you know, the oi polloi. Mm. 
and and it will that picture will you will see that oh next year that's going to be on a flag at glastonbury i'm telling you now you'll see it there being waved <laughs> above the stage no you're right that picture is going to be one of those that comes back and returns it really again is. and again and again the similar Absolutely. iconography with like the because what we're you know when you think about when we got rid of John Major, right? Yeah. And and let's put to one side. I know you have fondness for Alistair Campbell, so and yeah. we're going to park that, and we're going to put to one side what we now know about Blur, um, okay. how he's the Antichrist. But when he got in, uh, I like many others, you know what I mean. It was such a celebration. It mm. was so wonderful. And if you remember, um, when Major's government was in its its last death throes. You know, the corruption that we were talking about, this, that, and the other. Well, what's going on now is completely off the charts compared to that. I oh, mean, God, yeah. off the charts. But no yeah. one gives a shit. Mm. But why? Why don't we give a shit anymore? Why Why do we assume that it's okay for these people to actually treat us like this? To give us the finger, to take the money, to write off £11 billion in fraud that seem to have been their mates have done over PPE. I mean... You know what? If they were to give every single person <coughs> in this country working in the public sector a 10% wage increase, that would come out at 14 billion quid, which is... A, oh, we can't afford that, but we can afford to write off 11 billion pounds in fraud. Don't forget that... Um, what was she called? Dido or something? That spreadsheet? Dido Harding, yeah. Wasn't that 33 billion? It was, yes. Well, when you're printing money out of thin air, as they have been doing since 2008, and they've really ramped it up in the last two years, when you're doing that, well, why not? Yes. <clears throat> give us 33 billion. Sound. Um, so no one gives a shit. Why don't they give a shit? I think that because they've entered that realm of closing the curtains and pretending it's 1976. I think there's a lot of that going on. And and good times produce weak people, don't they? Mm, yes. And And we've got such a high standard of living. We do. But if we were in France, we'd be setting fire to sheep by now. <coughs> and quite right, too. We should be. Absolutely. We should be outraged. Yeah. You know, we should be outraged. I can't understand, and there's a, there's a you know, on the brief look on Twitter that I've had, there's still a lot of love for Boris. Oh, yes. Don't understand. An, no, I don't. Not after all this. But, but there is. No matter what you say, he hasn't got Brexit done. Because oh, it's no. Brexit in name only. So, well, I mean, obviously, I mean, what you've got, though, is that it's, the, the basic problem is it's all the lies, you know. There will not be a border down the North Sea. Oh, there's a border down the North Sea. This won't happen. Oh, it's happened. There's, it's constantly been that, that this is what we're going to do. Oh, no, we're not. And he was elected, if I recall, because he had an oven-ready Brexit deal, which he's now decided he doesn't like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it's your deal. But no one gives a shit. No. You remember in 1984 how Winston Smith's job at the Ministry of Truth was to, you know, in this side, out of a little tube, would pop a news article mm -hmm. that was completely um, going against what the government was saying. It mm -hmm. was like, this news article from three years ago proves the government are lying. So he'd alter it, wouldn't he? Mm -hmm. And then he'd pop it back in the other side, and that was now the truth, right? Mm. So you airbrush the past. As Arwell said, I think, he who controls the present... Sorry, he who controls the past controls the present. He who controls the present controls the future. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And, and 
He, he was quite right, wasn't he? Because I think so long as people are allowed to go and mass delete their tweets from five years ago, we are going to have that problem. I think what Twitter needs to do, I don't know if Elon Musk not buying it will help or not, is preserve them. You should preserve tweets. If anyone's got a blue tick, especially preserve those. Because historically, I think they're quite important. When we look back in 50 years and we try and fathom out what the hell's been going on here, we need those little bits of information to build up a complete picture. And the fact that you can change your mind, your opinion dramatically, and then just destroy the evidence. I, I, I don't approve of that. I think that that's, that's a terrible thing. But on a broader scale, things like news articles and stuff like that, mm. they don't bother altering them, altering them because no one cares. No. no one cares that this news article... And look, here's a piece of footage where you're completely contradicting what you're saying now that you you did do that, you did say that, you did... Peppa Pig. Um, so it, it's like no one cares. So Winston Smith would be sat there on Pornhub because he wouldn't care. He wouldn't have a job to do because nobody cares. Nobody cares. Whatever you tell them, oh, whatever it is, life's too short, mate. <clears throat> that's what you get um, and I'm not this isn't me knocking people or humanity in any way because I'm a great fan of people and humanity but I understand the complacency It's so what you've got now is you had a certain level of deceit didn't you that we yes. were all able to it was observable when journalists did their job it was observable and it'd be like right there's a scandal you're out <clears throat> yes but there's so much now mm. there's just so much that's that it. It's like, well, where do you start? Yeah. Well, it's impossible now to actually to do anything like that. You're right. There used to be. Are they? Are they? The the good thing I would say for Thatcher, right? And obviously, being brought up in Liverpool, I I was taught to hate Thatcher. Um, uh, Maggie Thatcher, Milk Snatcher, as I recall. all of that. Yeah. And I was the bloody milk monitor for my class. And one day there was no. I, so I and I harbour a grudge. Of course you, know. you were. Oh, I bet you still got I, the badge. Yes. No, of course. Ooh. I I used to want to be a milk monitor. Did you? Oh yes. Oh no. Oh yes, uh, I did. Uh, no, no, no. See, the best thing <clears> about <throat> it, the best thing about it, was because it was a big old crate of milk. You had to sit one side, and there'd be someone else on the other, and on the other side was, would be a girl. And in my case, it was Lindsay Hazelwood, who. Oh. Now you've hit at the very source of why I wanted to be a milk yes. monitor, Barbara Cotsworth. Yes. Oh, there we go. Exactly. So you see, uh, and we never got near them, but you, you did. I did. I did. I got quite near to Lindsay Hazelwood, who, as I recall, looked a bit like Angela Cartwright, who was in Lost in Space. She's the younger daughter. It's show. weird when you think about what people look like back like then, because if you see a photograph, you're like, oh, we were all children. Mm. And we all look like kids, because we've all got virtually the same kid face, haven't we? we With have, a few yeah. distinguishing features. Mm. Um, well, I found a few photos of me recently. Here's one, actually. Um, if I hold that to the camera, useless to those of you watching at home. But, yeah, all of a sudden you see yourself and it's just two children. Children. But, but no, sure enough, that's that's me and my mate, 1984. Good God. But, yeah, strange. strange Which one's Winston strange. Smith? Mm. Yes. Anyway, but now I'm thinking about Peter Cushing watching Pornhub as well, thanks to you. But there we go. Yes, I mean, you could you could probably make that happen nowadays with the wonderful world of technology. Peter well, they Cushing. did it, didn't they, in Star Wars? They brought Peter Cushing back to life, so I suppose... Yeah, have you seen it? Yes. Not very good. I don't understand, because now, have you seen the deep fakes now? Yes. 
I'm sure they'll revisit it and do it better. I'll, I'm sure they will. But no, I don't think it's not that it's very good. Was he good. Hoff just... someone or other? Oh, I don't know. Hoffmeister or something like that. Hoffmeister. They're called Hoffs, aren't they, in Star Wars? A Hoff? Yeah. How's that spelled? H-O-F-F or H-O-U-G-H? I have no idea. I heard someone say it. It won't be H-O-U-G-H. The Americans would be so no. confused by that. And that's Hoff. Oh, and this is Hoff, as in... Hoff. As in that bloke Hoff, from Nightmare. I'll tell you what he's called. Hoff Tarkin. How's that? Hoff How's Tarkin. that? Yeah, no. there you go. <clears throat> no, no, you're close, you're close. Hang on. I get told about this sort of thing all the time. Exactly. Gr- Grand Moff Tarkin. There you go. There, there you are. go. There you go. How's about that for our transatlantic well, yeah. viewers? Yeah. There you go. Yes, yes. there you, you go. We're down with the kids. You could, I suppose, create a, sh- a short in which he was watching Pornhub. Yes. Yes, you very could do that this afternoon. Videos, wouldn't it, I would think. Oh, yeah, he'd just be watching a woman with a parasol walk round the park, wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah, oh, yes. I, rem- I remember this Sunday. It was gorgeous. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Now, and now I'm off for an Edwardian wank with no- <laughs> nothing but my memories and the sunlight streaming through the French windows in order to stimulate my glands. Um, Peter Cushing. Yes. It's <laughs> not as good as your Hartnell, your vivid Hartnell fantasy. Um, still there, still in my but head. But there's a yes. link. There's been some really nice pictures come out this week that you sent me from Daleks Invasion Earth 2150 AD. Oh, from the shooting at uh, Shepperton. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, they've uh, they've done a remaster job mm. on these for Blu-ray. And annoyingly, it's the second time they've done this because they've done a previous one. I saw them on Amazon and it said that there was only two copies of each of the films left. It was a want. And then I put them on and it's just, it looks like, grainy 16 mil mm. footage and they said oh yeah well we've restored them back to how they would have looked so what well, i don't want them like that then i want them to look no. a bit smeary like in 1985 when they were on bbc one and in 4.3 um so but now they're re-releasing them i'll have to buy them again but those photographs are absolutely beautiful it's that there. set of the uh, the the sort of ruined london with the tardis in it and you see it's like you can see above it the sound stage and you're like oh god that was a set of course because it looks so well lit and the sets the sets are great in that film the sets are amazing and there's another scene in there Apologies for anyone for this brief who chat. But uh, there's another scene where Dortmund, the chap in the wheelchair, hurls his bombs. And Andrew it brings... Kerr. That's it, yeah. And it brings a wall down on top of him. And I just, I thought, that's outside. For, yeah. Since I first saw that when I was about 10, yeah. I thought, that's outside. It's not. It's a studio set. The, the lighting. lighting. Oh, the lighting's fantastic. Perfect. Mm. I mean, I've told you, haven't I, about my first sort of encounter with Daleks Invasion Earth 2150 AD. I'm sure I've told you this. No, go on. So I had, uh, on Earlstown Market when I was a kid, you could go and get bags of American comics for, uh, I think, 50p or something. Right. And you get this plastic bag with, do you remember those plastic bags that had like a little handle at the top, like a little suitcase handle that pressed in, like hard plastic and clear plastic. Mm. And within that, anyway, was a, an edition of Starburst. Uh, which I've recently rebought, no, about a year ago. And it's got an interview with John Friedlander in. I think that's how you say his name. It is, and, yes. And in there, there's a poster for Daleks Invasion Earth 2150 AD. And it's like, wow. You know the one with the Robo Man where he's got the gun right in the lens? Yes. And it just looks incredible. Anyway, the next thing, about three months later, um, these little yellow flyers came around the school. That in the uh, social club in Haydock, there was someone sh- showing films on a Saturday morning. 
Saturday Morning Cinema is back and all this other stuff. And of right. course, I had me nan telling me stories about the St. Helens flea pit where you'd take jam jars and get in for free and, oh, yeah. and stories like that. So um, one of them, the first one, was Dalek's Invasion Earth 2150 AD. So I got to ADOC Social Club on a bright summer's morning like this. Mm. Um, the showing was at 10. I, I was there at 7. I was stood outside at 7. I was like that. Because yes. I'd never seen this film, and I really wanted to see this film. Um, and, and you know, it's bemused sort of blokes in overalls going past and going, you know, what the hell's he doing there? He's usually sort of locked in the house with the curtains drawn. Mm. Um, and, of course, by the time they opened up at 10 to 10 or something like that, there was, like, I don't know, four other kids there. Yeah, but I got in there, and these sort of, they were like, you know, club chairs. I sat right at the front like that. Mm. Right at the front. And after a few double-deckers and other things that he showed, um, it, it was a black-and-white print. Uh, and on this old sheet uh, in ADOC Social Club, I watched this this film, I, and I, I, I was absolutely... Talk about in heaven. Mm. I've never... I've never been... You, you know, you can't recapture that, can you? Not at all. Oh, to God, be a no. child is to be a mortal. Absolutely. I mean, I think it was the first time I'd gone to the cinema and really enjoyed it, as I remember, when I first went. So I think I'd seen a few things. I'd seen E.T., which bored me. I just... I've never seen E.T. to this day. Really? really? I loved I loved the bit... <laughs> I love the bit. I'm sat in the cinema with my parents. I mean, this was a family thing. We'd all gone to the cinema. I think that may have been the only time it happened as well. And we're watching this thing. And in my head, I just got the idea, I think I was six, that it was a potato that could talk. So from that moment in my head, it was just this talking potato. Right. Which So I was on the verge of hysteria. But then the potato dies. And this little boy is in there. And I had a problem, obviously, because there was a child actor, so naturally I hated him. And he starts crying. The potato dies. And I just suddenly went, ha! at the top of my voice and started laughing. I, just, I found it hysterical when the potato oh, died. Oh, man, you've just triggered a oh. real memory in me. So the first time I... No. <clears throat> the first time I voluntarily took acid, I should say. Because mm. um, I've told the story before about uh, the very first time... Um, and we, we we were in my mate Lee's van, and he used to have this red Astromax van. Do you remember them? Yes. Um, and we were all in there, and there was a little McNugget or something like that with a face that uh, McDonald's were giving away free with the Grumpy Meals. And this, because they were into heavy metal, um, this turned into Bruce Dickinson, bud, because uh, Bruce Dickinson was the singer with Iron Maiden, probably mm. still is. Um, and we were in a shop. And they were getting Nuki Brown, and I didn't drink because I was like 17 or something like that. Um, took acid, didn't drink. Um, and I was just in the shop like that, and I had him in my hand, this Bruce Dickens bud. And I just, the lad behind me, Lee probably, I just looked round at him and held my closed hand up and opened the hand to show him Bruce Dickens bud. And he just ran out the shop, just just in gales of laughter. He couldn't. <laughs> and he, he clutched, he chucked the money in my hand to get him these Nuki Browns. Um, and I'm studying, I'm studying the shop just like that. Okay, right. Just realised I was tripping. That's why I've been laughing my balls off for about two hours. And I just realised I was tripping. And do you remember them big sherbet straws, those huge multicoloured ones that yes. they used to do? Really, like, I don't know, about three foot long things. And I'm stood at the front of this queue and that, 
that was like they were in a jar a big bunch of those and they were all swaying and twisting round each other and stuff like that um so you've just triggered that memory triggered oh well, we don't need any of that oh no 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 my uh my um flirtation with with lsd didn't last very long i don't think that i don't think people do i think that it has its utility um you kind of okay i see what this is all about yeah and then you stop i I don't think it's one that would be very sensible to become addicted to i mean uh, people do People, really? Yeah. But look isn't at it a fact that it sits like little little some particles of LSD? They sit on your spine for about seven years after. Maybe I know that there's 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 definitely the, the whole concept of flashbacks, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but yeah, apparently it's seven. Maybe years it's because it's at your back. That, there we are. Flashback. 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 There flashback. You go. flashback. Yeah. So and yeah, it clings on for seven years apparently, but. Uh, yeah, Daleks Invasion Earth off your tits would be quite exciting because it's very colourful. It's very colourful. It's, it's, so it's colourful. lovely. I love the music from it as well. Jazz music and Daleks. Yeah. I mean, that's a that's a bloody good combination. Yeah. And and taking Terry Nation, another rambling Terry Nation script, where you go, ooh, let's set you off on another adventure. Terry Nation phoning it in, as always. I mean, I love the man. I yeah. love Terry Nation, but yeah. my God, he had two stories and he wrote them brilliantly and repeatedly. God, but, look at what he made from that. I know. I mean, so what it, a I, fortune. I've started watching, and I think this sums him up, I've, I've started having a little bit of a rewatch of Blake 7, just cherry-picking a few that's, episodes. That's, that's that comfort you were on about, in it. It's exactly that. I, need, I mean, we've just finished the academic year, we've done our graduations, mm. and I felt a bit of comfort, so I thought Blake 7... Then it started playing on my mind. Blake okay. Seven. Right. So there's Blake Seven. So you've got Blake, Avon, Villa, Gan, Callie, Jenna. That's six. There's not seven. Well, then you've got to include the talking computer. So you go, all right, seven. Ah. That's good. But then they get another talking computer that's a bit of an asshole, And suddenly you're into Blake's eight. So it's okay. only actually, by these rules, it's only Blake 7 for a total of four episodes out of 52. But even then, it's not, right? It's not, because it's Blake 7. So therefore, he's not part of the 7, is he? It's Be- it's Blake, and he's got 7. Right. So, it's right. Got, so it, that's yes. like me saying, can we pick up Blake's cakes? Yes, you can. He wouldn't be with the cakes. He'd be waiting for them. Cake so, 7. Cake 7, exactly. Cake, cake 7. Yes. yes. So... So this is this confused me, and I missed an entire episode. Then trying to work out if there was at any point where it was actually Blake's seven, where he had six things around him, and I don't think there was ever. And then I thought, well, what the hell are you doing, Terry Nation? You should have known about this. And then I thought, well, let's read up what Terry was up to here, and he was inspired by several things to make this series. One of which was the Magnificent Seven. I've, I was going to say, yeah. So he's clearly just gone. Well, I'll just have the name. He's, he's not thought about making like any that. sense of the name. I love that, actually. I like that with him. It's called Blake Seven. Who are the seven? What I love about Terry Nation is that I don't think he ever had any pretense about his, uh, you know, grifting nature. No. I, I don't think he, he sort of, he was pompous or uh, pretentious about it. It was just like, he, he was sort of your commoner garden hack, just churning it out, just mm. churning it out. And I think there's an honesty with that. Yeah, no, absolutely. But, you know, if you look at some of his first draft scripts, 
then you realise what a hell of a job he gave his script editor. I mean, on Blake 7, it would be Chris Boucher. And apparently you'd end up with this situation where he was getting a script from Nation that was maybe 20, Gee. 22 minutes long. Good man. Have this out of it. But when he was doing Doctor Who 10 years before, he'd send the scripts and John Wiles like, oh, that's about 12 minutes there, Terry. Shall right. I finish it? Right. So it was all the time. You know, he had yeah. these wonderful ideas. But he was, I think he was so excited to just get to the fight, get to the good bit, yeah. that he'd forget to actually write the dialogue quite often. Yeah, yeah. I'd say that's a fair assessment of Terold. But I don't um, mind that. No, I don't mind that at all. I mean, he, he was a... I mean, the name for a kickoff mm. is great, isn't it? It is. Terry Nation. Nation. It's, like, it's like immediately that... Ne- I, and I do believe that, um, you know, this... the. the your name does... I mean, look, can you imagine, right? Taking another example, right? So, mm. obviously, Terry Nation had a superb name. Yes. He was a bloody big, imposing figure. He was a slab oh, yes. of a man, wasn't he? He looked like a French film star. So, yes. you've got all these great things that are going in his favour. But then, you know, the universe smiles down and produces, you know, someone is born, George Best. Right. Yes. So for a kickoff, you've got this astonishing, brilliant name, right? Mm. George is like king. Yes. Best king, right? Then you are like absurdly beautiful, right? Mm. So you've got that going on, right? Mm. And then you're one of the most gifted footballers that the world has ever produced. I mean, no wonder he ended up just becoming an alcoholic. I mean, do you know that story about the journalist who goes to talk to him? Yeah. Um so the bed is covered in in money, like hundreds, hundred dollar bills, piles of them, all over mm. the bed. Right? right. Miss World is taking a shower after spending the night with Georgie, and he's just like pouring everyone in the uh, glasses of you know um, what is it, Dom Perignon or Moet Chandon or something like that. Top, top, top quality champagne, mm. Bollinger, whatever. Uh, and the journalist, and it's a great quote, and it's a famous quote, his opening gambit to George's. So, George, where did it all go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> it's oh. one of those famous stories, that. Um, oh, but, no, I mean, how do you cope with, like, winning the lottery in life like that? Well, I wonder, with the old, you know, the notion of nominative determinism. So, is it is it maybe being brought up with a name like that? You know, people possibly react to the name. You know, what's what? What's your child called? Terry Nation. And looks. And looks, I suppose. The combination of the two. Yeah. Good-looking people have an easier ride in life. That's that's. It's it's, it's one of those true. unpalatable truths that sociologists would argue about and stuff mm. like that. But whether we like it or not, that is human beings. That yes. is the way we are. You know. Mm. Um. So there's that. There's there's a, co- a number of combinations. You know what I mean. I should imagine had he been called, like, you know, Alf Bloggs, um, he'd have potentially done all right, but, I mean, to be called George Best. Well, absolutely. I mean, you can't imagine Alf Bloggs, inventor of the Daleks, either, really. No. 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 Uh, but, again... Running a very nice farm and strangling chickens. Can imagine that. Well, of course you can, yeah. It's like yeah. Peter Cushing. But, yes. um, no, I think that... I mean, let's be honest as well. Um it was Raymond Cusack. Oh, is it Cusick? Cusack? Cusack. Yeah. Mm. Who is responsible for the success of the Daleks with oh, that yeah. design? It's the design that does it's it. It's incredible. Oh, it still endures. 
It is. It's still it's still a brilliant design. You can try and alter it, but my god, that design. That angry little tank. They need to be short, I always think. You know, I think yeah. that that's they they made them really big a few years ago and yeah. they're suddenly like these big roly sort of like toys. No, no, they've got to be short and cross. Mm. You know, sort of like Meh. that's malevolent sort of pepper what, pots. Yes, that's exactly it. That's what yeah. you need. So that yeah. design's beautiful. Rake, who's that was a absolute star, and of course it should have been What's his name? Ridley. Uh, Ridley Scott. Yes, that's right. He was just moved off it, wasn't he? He was moved off that and onto an episode of Zed Cars because it was more important. So. Yeah, yeah. I've got some Zed Cars things to tell you about, but can't talk about it on here, actually. Ooh. You've just reminded me. Um, okay. But, um, yeah, with the Peter Cushing thing, uh, Peter Cushing was a very nice thing. Peter Cushing was lovely. He was an old darling and brilliant. Yes. Uh, although there's quite a dis- difference of opinion about his portrayal of Holmes. I think he's great. I love him actually mm. in that in that role. I do think, and I may have said this before. I think that Peter Cushing is very good at playing Peter Cushing. He is. Um, his his Doctor Who, his Sherlock Holmes, his this, his that. They're usually quite similar. Mm. Um, and all right, you get this this grand moff Tarkin thing and all right that steps away from it but yeah. he's still not a shit you know he's still rather nice when he's doing things and, oh yes you know I, I, but, so I don't want to sound, make it sound as though I'm saying Peter Cushing phoned it in because he didn't you know he gave a lovely strong role whatever he was doing but ultimately he would play the role of Peter Cushing having studied him in I think it's the horror of Frankenstein that is the first hammer Frankenstein I could be wrong hmm. um, and probably am uh, the the only one where Christopher Lee plays the monster, um, right. and and in that sort of looking at how he delivers the quite complicated dialogue as well, mm. the acting's brill, and yeah. the delivery of the lines is brill. To learn that dialogue and to deliver it in the way he did is is quite something, really. I think he delivers the lines like he means them. It really does just ramps them up just a little bit. I mean, you're, you're still at that point where, especially with the early Hammer Horrors, I think, don't forget, kitchen sink drama hadn't taken off even. Theatre was still quite detached. Theatre mm. was, hello, darling. Oh, hello, darling. There was still that. We hadn't had Pinter or anyone like that yet. So that would have been the world that Cushing would have been brought up in. British films, certainly. You mm. know, the, They still had that attitude as well, and the yeah. theatre absolutely did. And I think to be able to see that performance... You know, to to be able to hark back to, and we don't have that now. We no. don't have heightened performance. You know, we we go for realism, and I don't want realism if I'm watching the telly. I want heightened. I want to be taken away from reality. But Cushing plays heightened absolutely beautifully, mm. perfect. Yes, he does. He's brilliant. And speaking of Holmes, mm. I bought this. Have you bought yourself one? The reissue of Bending the Willow. I've I've put my money forward. Yes, David Stewart Davis's book. Uh, fantastic. I mean, if anyone is a fan of Jeremy Brett's Sherlock Holmes, or Jeremy Brett what was it William Arthur Huggins, as he was his real name was. Uh, I have no idea about that. Yeah, Bending the Willow is a brilliant book. He was at drama school with um, Robert Stevens. From the Box of Delights. From the Box of Delights. Terrifying yeah. actor. He played Watson oh. to uh, Robert Stevens Holmes on stage in the 70s. 
Oh, no, I would pay to see that, because Robert Stevens is one of those actors. Everything is balls out, isn't it? He's fucking Everything. great. What's the movie where he's Sherlock Holmes? Is it The Secret Life of Sherlock Holmes? Well, I'm not sure. Um, with the atomic submarine and Queen Victoria and all that. You're not seeing that? No, I haven't, but I need to. Who was the guy? Who was the guy who was married to Marilyn Monroe, the, the director from Some Like It Hot? No, don't know. Right. Well, he d- directed. I'm. Th- I'm going to have a little Google. Okay. Sod it. I'm going to. I'm going to allow. We've not had one of these in weeks. Mm. And we're allowed a little Google. Yes. There I think it's the Secret Life of Sherlock Holmes. Okay. The Private Life of Sherlock Holmes. Billy Wilder. Right. Billy Wilder. Uh, right. Written and produced by Billy Wilder, and it is absolutely nuts. It's a '70s version of Holmes. Um, not in the same way as what is it? Elementary, my dear Watson, with Cleese and Willie Rushton. Cleese and Willie Rushton, yeah, that yeah. half-hour insanity, yeah. That's brilliant. That's absolutely, absolutely bonkers. I love how they took that sort of BBC uh, sitcom seventies thing, mm. um, and and kind of they took it apart a bit, didn't they? There's the scene where they're on the train, and it's obviously C- CSO, chroma keyed, whatever you want to call it, landscape mm. going in the background. And the way that they deconstruct that in that scene is brilliant. Well, I think what what else you've got there, of course, is you've got why the BBC was so good. Because you've got that comedy department that is fresh. You know, in the early 70s, it's fresh and it's so experimental still. Then what you do is you throw behind it the the weight of the BBC's costume and props department. And you give it that beautiful look of a historical piece. God, you can't go wrong then. Really no, it's wrong. it's a great. Isn't that got Connie Booth in in a sort of leather cat suit? Yes, it has. Yes. Yes, yes. Strange how that remains in the memory. Isn't uh, it's it? a nice memory, isn't it? But yeah. Robert Stevens, who was just mm. as you were just saying, wonderful actor. Now, there's an actor I would have been terrified to work with. So I take my hat off to the young lad who was the star of the Box of Delights yeah. for getting through that because he looks manic when he's playing uh, in the Box of Delights. The scene with the matchstick. Mm. where he's just waving his hand. I'm seeing if there's a picture of uh, Robert Stevens and Brett in this book. My memory tells me that there is, but I could be wrong. Um, Yeah, there's the scene with the matchstick, isn't there, where he's just stirring into it with the lit match. It's Mm. absolutely brilliant. Robert Stevens is... His wife was in that as well. She weren't his wife at the time. That excellent actress. Patricia Quinn. That's her. Who, who was in the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Was that's uh, her. Magenta. Yeah, that's her. Um, but my favourite thing about him there has got There's to be... Stevens as Holmes. Oh, oh, my word. In the play... Is that the play he did with Brett? Where Brett was once... Robert Stevens... No, Robert Stevens in the role he warned Brett about. From oh. Billy Wilder's The Private Life of Sherlock Holmes. So he warned Brett not to play it. Wonderful. Wonderful. Sorry, Sorry, Patricia. No, I mean, I I love uh, the whole thing with the Box of Delights. I mean, apparently he was a a little bit off the scale to work with um, as an actor by that point. He was pissed, wasn't he? Absolutely, and especially when he had to film his own death because he drowns. And he's, he's dressed in the sort of the full cassock for this. And it's, they've got, they've got a stuntman. This is what I love. They've got a stuntman ready to walk in. And Robert just goes, oh, no, no, big swig wanders into the water just hurls himself into it wonderful god he was good he was god he was good like michael bryant though if you were told oh you're you're working with robert stevens on this one you would shit yourself oh just to be ready 
Michael Bryant. Well, that's an entire show in itself. Michael Bryant's a very nice. Thing. And no bugger knows who he is. No. It's astonishing. It, he was so good. Oh. Because you can watch him in the stone tape. You can watch him in cold it's, And it is different people that you're watching. Yes. Because he is so... He's so heightened, but he is so committed to the individuality of the character within that heightened performance. Well, the, yeah. Oh, stunning. If you compare stunning. him, just two comparisons. So in the stone tape where uh, he slaps Jen round the face. Mm. Right. Um, and then... He stands in front of the guy, his cure at taking the photograph of the stained glass in the treasure mm. of Abbott Thomas. Yes. So if you compare that performance with where he's, because he's never, he doesn't believe in cameras. He doesn't believe the camera can get the detail that him sketching the window can. So he's kind of sat there, isn't he, doing a pencil line drawing of the picture, mm. and he notices a detail in the in the in the stained glass. Yeah. And he walks in front of the camera. And the way he says, and the curate goes, you know, don't do that. You know, I'm exposing the plate, um, which is something as a fat child I hated exposing Ooh, yeah. my plate. Fill it up, please, mammy. Um, yeah. And so uh, when he walks back from the camera, he says, oh, I do beg your pardon. And, and those two characters, oh, he's so good in the stone tape. Jesus he's, Christ. He's I know brilliant. we've gone on about it an awful lot, but bloody hell, he's good in it. He is. He's you so know. good. And yeah. he's that good that you don't even know him. You don't even know it's him. You just He's just an, a brilliant performer in everything he's in. Stunning. It's its incredible. It's incredible the quality of his, his acting and the the quality that we we will... We, I mean, the thing is, you, you know, you talk about being born with a certain name and being born with certain this and that. Um, what did you call that concept again? Nominative determinism. Nominative determinism, but yeah. we had the luck to be born um, when we were allowed. Really, ki kids were allowed to sit in front of a television set, mm. um, and and look at what we were in a position to observe. Mm. Oh God, we we could watch. Well, it's like remember last night I sent you a little photograph. This is what would be on my TV show channel mm. if if when I moved to the Highlands and have the small commune of people. Yes, this would be what they watch. House of Cards, oh beautiful. Bit mm. of Steptoe and Son, perfect. Omega Factor, and end with a bit of Muffin the Mule, perfect. There you go. Now if that was the schedule on TV tonight, I'd I'd be all right with that. And of course, your thought for bedtime. My, my, yes, my thought for bedtime, which would essentially, as we discussed, be me. Yeah. Low-angled shot, looking up, and I would talk about things that I thought were important. Things. Yes. Things we've learned from today and things to bear in mind tomorrow. Exactly. That, that yes. could be. Yeah, you could do the voiceover saying that with some sort of fanfare behind it. Yes. I the like Chairman, that Chairman Strong Arms Thoughts. Yes, that's it. The daily thoughts of German strong arm. Before daily we, thoughts before close down, because television should close down. Well, yeah. I mean, in looking for something the other day, I found the close down from Granada, with mm. Charles Foster doing it, which I suppose was anathema to you. But no, no. Do you know what it wasn't? Because of lunch times. Because I used to come home. Because my my primary school was literally around the corner. It was a t less than two minute walk. So I would go home at lunch after milk monitoring duties. After milk monitoring duties, which was around about ten o'clock. Yeah. I would go home for lunch, and so I would see you know Button Moon or Cockleshell Bay going into Rainbow. I'd see those, and I did glimpse 
uh, the Sullivans, which I found fascinating because I was mm. like, well, it, this is such an old program. How's it in color? That confused yeah. the hell out of me. So it's the 40s. We didn't have color. I know that because I've read about Doctor Who. Very perplexed. But things like that and occasionally a glimpse of Crown Court as well. Mm. So there were occasional. So Uncle Charles, as he called himself. Oh, I love Charles Wheeler. Charles and Jim Pope. Love oh, Jim, Jim Pope. Pope. Yeah, Jim Pope looked like your uncle, didn't he? Or your mate's dad. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Colin Weston, who uh, it's was still bladdered. working now. Yeah, he was still... bladdered on the Christmas one, wasn't he? Yeah, received a severe reprimand. That used to be on YouTube, and it's not now. What a damn shame. Yeah, that's a shame. Um, um, yeah, they were a great family, actually. The Granada family. You know, you had Bob Greaves and Bob Smithies on the Granada reports. Mm-hmm. Um. And, and it was a cosy world. Did you see this week someone posted on YouTube the moment where Australian TV went over to colour? No. Have you not seen that? I meant to send it yeah. Oh. Um, um Let me just... I think we need to see a live reaction because it's stunning. Can you watch anything while, I, uh, while we're on this? Um, I, I think I can, yes. Uh, transition. Let's try that. This is wonderful. Right. Colour TV introduced... Here we go, is this it? How are you sending this to me? I'll send you a link on WhatsApp. Oh, I've got WhatsApp closed here because it makes noises. Oh, send okay. It, send it in the chat on here. It was on Twitter the other day. I'll send it on the chat on here, yeah. And maybe right, I'll... Okay. Dro- why don't I drop it in for the boys and girls? Drop it in uh, for the boys and girls at this point, yes. Through the window! Oh, isn't that brilliant? Is this real? This is really how they did it. This is real. Oh, it's bleeding in so slowly. And he's diving in. Here it goes, Oh, that's magnificent. Isn't that great? I take me out off to them. I yeah, really do. I love it where he's swimming and <gasps> coming up oh, for her and then jumping back under. That is absolutely wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh I, I love that. I thought you'd seen that. You'd no, seen I've not it. seen that. You see, I've always... I've, I, I have a real appreciation for Australian television. I always have Likewise. That. So yeah. um, I think that, you know, they do... You know, they, they, they push themselves in Australia. In the TV industry, I've always thought there's a real gung-ho attitude in gung, Australia. Gung-ho. That's it, yeah. Um... I think I think wonderful stuff. That was magnificent. So it's great, we'll, isn't it? We'll put a link uh, for no, the boys and girls. No, I'll chuck it in. Uh, boys and girls will have seen it and uh, and they'll hear our your reaction to it. Oh, we'll put the video in. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, that's very clever. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll do yeah. that. So you'll have seen that, boys and girls at home. You will actually. That was delightful. If you're listening on audio, I would suggest that you look in the uh, the little description for this episode, and we'll put the link there as well. Absolutely. So, you yes. got any nice things this week? Um, I haven't, but I've got one on the way. Ooh, what have we ordered? Uh, well, gave in. Um, there's a there's a, a box set arriving. Not a vinyl of Attack of the Cybermen. Not quite, no. Go on. So there's a vinyl box set of ten records arriving. Ooh. Tom Baker Tom in Baker. the Hornet's Nest. Oh, you've gone for the Hornet's Nest. Did you go for the signed one at... Uh... Oh, that's what's that? Two hundred and forty nine ninety nine. No, 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 no. Now this is the brilliant thing. It's come down in price. I was on Amazon uh, yesterday, and it's right. at one hundred and thirty three. God, it's still dear though, isn't it's it? It's so expensive for ten. Have you records. listened to any of it? No. 
Tom can't do angry fourth doctor anymore. No, no, he can't. He can't do it anymore. It's so strange. In Return of the Cybermen, mm. the um, wonderful redux, really, which mm. was the original Revenge of the Cybermen script, wasn't it? Yeah. Where he's meant to be angry and stuff like that. He's just like, oh, it's happy Tom. Yeah. It's, it's really strange. I don't know what yeah. it is, but if you listen to, particularly his interview with Matthew Sweet mm. on the season 18 box set, which is stunning. Uh, no, sorry, it's a commentary he does, isn't it, on the Leisure Hive mm. with Matthew Sweet. Yes. Um, yeah, he's sort of... He's analysed his character and how he acted mm. um, and gives his rationale for his actions. Quite not particularly apologetic at all. He's mm. just like, that's what I was like. But he's obviously sort of grown as a human being yes. since those days yeah it's interesting and, and no, i think it is. that maybe part of that is that he's he doesn't really get angry anymore well i mean maybe it is that he does seem to be someone who's chilled <coughs> uh, and mellowed an awful lot if you think of how he was when you see him in studio footage mm. you know there's that the wonderful example being where they're recording Sharda and he gets to the end of a scene and then you just hear, well, we'll go again because I think somebody banged a door. Oh, fuck whoever banged a door. What could be important about a sodding door when you're in yeah. the middle of a scene? You know, yeah. Real anger. Um, <clears throat> and I think the Leisure Hive is the one where in the studio footage he's holding this big ornate helmet and he goes, well, maybe I should just ch throw this cheap fucking prop across the studio. Dreary but, fucking prop. Dreary fucking prop. Yeah. I mean, that's that's an angry man. But then maybe when you get to about 85, you just can't be asked anymore. No, no. And he's I think he's 89 now, isn't he? I think he is. I think he's a No, he'll be 88. Now. I think it was 1934 he was born. It is 34, yeah. Yeah, so. that's right, yeah. Well, the guy in the Leisure Hive on the commentary, um, I can't think what they say, but um, you know the guy who ended up in the Thin Blue Line? The Argolin, the young one. Yeah, David Haig. David Haig, and I'll go to Google again, as comes up in this commentary, um, is an amazing sort of figure within theatre. Oh. Uh, and they mention it and talk about it a little bit. He wrote the play My Boy Jack, uh, da, 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 and what's his one-man show that he does? It's about uh, either a prime minister or a, um, what do you call it? Yeah, Rudyard Kipling. Um, he, uh, yes, um, on Remembrance Day, ITV broadcast a television drama based on the play My Boy Jack, in which Haig played Rudyard Kipling and Daniel Radcliffe played his son John. So apparently, his Rudyard Kipling play is astonishing. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, they go on about it, Matthew Sweet and Tom Baker. Well, Haig is one of these wonderful actors. I mean, he's he's done just about everything. I, he, I think he comes to prominence, really, with four weddings and a funeral. He's in that. Oh, is he in that? Right. He's in that. Then he's in the Thin Blue Line. But but the theatre as well, you know, keeping everything ticking over, of course. Yeah. So, yeah, he's a, a wonderful sort of like... He was in that um, called Killing Eve. Um, that That's right. Everyone's been very excited about and died rather brilliantly. Yeah. Um, wonderful actor. Wonderful person. Wonderful actor. So, what so did I yeah, get that's what week? I'm getting this week. Anyway, I'm getting a ten record, and, and I had to go for. I wanted today. I couldn't even go for Prime tomorrow, so I can watch it. It's coming today. It's coming today. Ordered wow. this morning, arriving by ten o'clock. Now, please, though. 
But yes. Fantastic. And then do you know what will happen? <coughs> Shan't listen to it. Won't you? Well, I probably won't because I always get these records and I'm terribly excited and I start listening to them. And go, oh, it's not quite the same. So what is it that you actually want? <coughs> I think what I want is for them to put the horns of Nymon on vinyl and then I'll be happy. Oh, yeah, I get that. But what is it you are actually buying the hornet's nest for? What is it you're buying it for? I'm buying it. I'm buying it because he's, he's individually signed it, I think. Is That's that what it? it is. I think it's that. It's that little connection. Um, plus, it's a beautiful looking thing. Right. And it is beautiful. It's just that there's so many of these damn records being released. It's, it's almost impossible to keep up with. They've lost their exclusivity, haven't they? You know, mm. do you remember in the old days how you were lucky if you got a Palatoy Dalek or, or, yes. or whatever it was? I remember treasuring, absolutely treasuring this little, uh, and I've still got it in the cupboard though. Um, it was a little Sixth Doctor comic that came with Golden Wonder. Yes. I think you had to send away for it, maybe. Um, no, no, no. It was in was multi -packs. It in the packet. In it was in the packet. Thank yeah. you. Six packs, and you get a. a oh, God, I and collected transfers. about five sets of them. And it yeah, had transfers yeah. in it. Mm. Oh, and I had mm. that, and I had the Souchard uh, Peter Davison egg, the famous one, where he's uh, shooting fire from his penis. Yes. Um, and so, because I just treasured them so much. Mm. And it's like I'm now surrounded by everything really I wanted as a kid. You know, yes. if there was an annual I couldn't get, I've now got it. Um, if there was a Wurzel Gummidge doll I couldn't get, I've now got it. I've now got everything that was on my wish list as a kid. Mm. And because I've got everything, it's kind of like I never look at it. But it's there. It's there. It's there. But again, this returns to that thing we were talking about the other week. Uh, Wordsworth's uh, whole thing about to be a child is to be a mortal. Mm. And so when everything's new for the first time, and you try and, you try and re... Um, reignite that wonder i think i think that's what you're trying to do when yes. you buy these things i think you're tr you're hoping that you're once again going to be back in your room as a kid with these few things that you actually use to construct an entire cosmology but you don't have the wonder that you had as a kid nothing is novel anymore is it because you've seen it all mm -hmm. i mean for example where you grew up right yeah right where i grew up where we all grew up i even now could tell you what every house in the street looked like and who lived in it and what the windows... Oh, yeah, they had leaded windows and da 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 da, da. But now, we're, my neighbourhood here where I live, mm, houses, street. Mm. And, but a kid doesn't have that because it's all brand new, in it? It's yeah, it is. It's all brand new. That sense of wonder of yeah. finding new things. But then again, I mean, there are so many new things to actually find. I suppose that isn't there just a case here to say that maybe... Maybe the issue is that we're just not taking the time. You know, there That's are still right. new things. To if we take the time to look for those new things, my God, they're out there. But we don't. We don't. Adults don't. Very rarely, yeah. Adults don't, and so you know, when you see um, adults getting stroppy with kids for becoming fixated on things and stuff like that, when you, and, and people are in a rush, I get it. You know, mm. I get it. But it's so. Um, it, it's it's not good. Because they should be allowed to wallow in the way we were allowed to wallow. I certainly was. I mean, you know, oh, the yeah. ability to 
to discover nature for myself where I grew up because it was quite rural, you know, so that was great. Mm. Um, you know, it was almost like a calendar, really, wasn't it, when you were a kid? You know, you'd fathom out the link between frog spawn and tadpole and froglet and frog, and then there's more spawn the next year, and you'd find one dead. And mm. it'd be like, ah, oh, right, okay. And it was kind of that cyclical thing that you got into as a kid. Yeah. Um, and so that sort of discovery, um, I don't think... As an adult, you don't have that because you get complacent and, ah, well, you know it. You've seen it before. Well, it's partly that, but I think also when you're a kid, you are much more governed by the seasons, aren't you? Because mm. everything's leading up to the big summer holidays or Christmas. So you, you are governed by these by these events, by these celebrations, but mostly, I think, by the seasons. Whereas, of course, yeah. when you become a working adult, well, you're not so much guided by the seasons. Plus, you've seen it all before. I mean, uh, if I... And I think maybe we'll close with this. Mm. Intimations on childhood. Mm. Um, Wordsworth. I've got to Google it because I'm, I'm not Christopher Hitchens. I don't know all these things. Mm. Um, Ode. Intimations of, of immortality from recollections of early childhood. Um, there's a lovely... Here we go. There was a time when meadow, grove and stream, the earth and every common sight, to me did seem apparelled in celestial light, the glory and the freshness of a dream, it is not now as it hath been of yore. Turn wheresoe'er I may, by night or day, the things which I have seen, I now can see no more. Beautiful. Lovely. Beautiful. And that, dear boys and girls, is the end of the 50th fun edition of Nice Things. Yes. And so, we wish you all a wonderful week at home. We do. Um, have a lovely time in the sunshine. Don't stay indoors with the curtains shut and do mm -hmm. what we did. It's a waste no. of time. Uh, go out there and discover new things. And so, until the next time when we shall be 51, mm -hmm. I would say goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs>